One star. Lennon out. Oh, it's going down, Scoogie. Oh, it's happening. It it's, is on. It's, it's on. It's very real. It's so real. <laughs> it's, ter- it's terrifying. The realism <laughs> is extraordinary. I've aged a great deal in the past there's, month. There's my housemate escaping. <laughs> escaping the podcast. Oh, went out the door. Does does Jill need to flee from the podcast? Has she? Jill, Jill fled already with Oscar. Um, they were hopped in the stroller. They were going to go up uh, to the Whole Foods a couple blocks away. Good. And uh, get various things from the hot and cold bars for breakfast, uh, so that Oscar could could sample the foods of the world that are overpriced, the expensive foods of the world. Trying to give him a taste of the better things. <laughs> Oh, so good. And then our housemate, uh, Heather, uh, also just left for her lucrative job at the uh, Nordstrom's company. In in another town? No, she just she takes the bus and she goes downtown and <laughs> okay. works for Nordstrom's. So you, have, she, so you know have, you now have a housemate. When you said housemate, you weren't talking about Jill. You were talking about a housemate. No, I'm married to Jill. I know you are, but that could housemate. be a sort of charming way of referring to one's spouse. It would be, wouldn't it? Yeah, she's your buddy. Uh, no, uh, Heather, we who we we've shared this house with in uh, Seattle since two thousand eight. Oh, okay, I didn't realize that. Do I know her? The lease is in her name. You do, Heather Blash. Um, she's read your books. She's come to your readings. Then I would know her on site, no doubt. You would know her on site. Yeah. You may not know her by name. Um, yeah, it's been too long, friend. I'm glad we're uh, I'm glad we're rolling again. It's been a chaotic month for me. Yeah, I was hoping you uh, would have some anecdotes from the there chaos. Have been, there, have been, there have been a number of adventures. Well, things started getting disrupted uh, with the holidays, of course, with the vomit fest of our ten days in. <laughs> Kansas, which I think we have discussed. Yes, we have. Hey, we might as well discuss it again, though. It was it was magnificent. It was like one of these cruise ships where everyone gets gets ill from you know the the, the captain down to the littlest the, the, the littlest baby down in the yeah. Irish steerage. Hey, what became of that? Uh, what became of that cruise ship that was uh, uh, full of rats and corpses or something? The ghost cruise ship. Was that it's even, coming. Was it, it's coming for you. Is that a real thing? Is it's that heading, it's it's coming up the St. Lawrence Seaway? <laughs> it's going to dock in Erie or Rochester. I don't know which is closer to you. And Rochester, Rochester. It's the Africanized killer bees of our era. Yeah, ooh, that's nice alliteration. Africanized killer bees of our era. I guess there's not much alliteration. <laughs> no, there's none. <laughs> Yeah, it's so, still a nice, uh, still a nice line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the I don't know what happened to it. Last I saw, it was heading for, towards uh, um, towards uh, Scotland or Ireland. Hey, did I tell you I'm I'm uh, I'm going back to Scotland? You didn't tell me that. That's fantastic. Yeah, and I and actually it was uh, I want to I, I want to throw down a compliment for my um, for my wife because um, I had been I I had a great time there you did. i mean all, our whole family did but for me it was very creatively um stimulating uh place it was enough like home for me to feel not anxious being there but it was different enough from home 
so that I felt constantly sort of stimulated on a, a sort of low-grade stimulation. And uh, I've been sort of making noises about wanting uh, to take the family back to do the same thing because our friends who live in Scotland um, abandon their house for July every year. And uh, Rian, um and I had been complaining that I didn't have time to work on my fiction. I, o- over break, you might remember, I did a lot of household projects instead of writing. You had big hopes. It was going to be 100 pages. Hopes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you wrote those. Yes, it, pages, right? and you, of course, are among many friends who have told me to just chill out. You don't, you don't have to write a hundred pages over break. I know. I don't believe I said that. I think but if did. it helps, yeah, did I? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think you, I think you reassured me that it was that it was not a failure to not have written a lot over break. Oh, of course it's not. Right. Yeah. That's the measure, the measure of that's not the measure. That's just a vacation plan. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, Rian, I was I was complaining about my productivity to Rian, and she said, "Well." Why don't you go back to Scotland by yourself? And I said, seriously? And she said, sure. How how long you want to go for? And I said, two weeks? <laughs> and she said, okay. Hey, so, the kids are old enough. It, exactly. I, mean? I think I, I think we you know, we talked about this. I th- I think that uh at a, at a one at a point in one's marriage, I think you are there right now, when one person wants to do something that's just for them and that uh, involves them being out of the house, there's, you know, it's hard not to become resentful because there's a lot to do uh, when, you, when you're wrangling one or two small children. And, like uh, when I went to Marfa for a month last year <laughs> when my child was six months old. Have you, have you finished paying that debt? I will never pay that debt <laughs> off. It's like a 30-year mortgage, <laughs> an expensive 30-year mortgage. <laughs> but dear, I wrote so many poems. <laughs> surely, surely you, you would, would, wouldn't prefer that they would not have come into the world, those poems. <laughs> anyway, we're at a time when actually Rian kind of likes when I go away, I think, because it's, uh, as everyone who does not know me personally knows, it's kind of nice <laughs> not to have me up in your grill I disagree. all day long. I disagree. The highlight of my week is having you. A grill full of Lennon. <laughs> uh, so that's great. So you're going to go July up to to the same house. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go, before go right in the same. That's great. Bars as I did. Uh, um, having, well, I guess I've been to Scotland for about 48 hours, but I I've never been to Wales. Uh, how would you compare the two, Wales and Scotland? You spent time in Wales as well. Rian's family is Welsh. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we didn't travel extensively in either place. We sort of went, you know, in each place we went to a few selected spots. Um, our Scotland experience was a little more urban because we passed through uh, Edinburgh and we stayed in a college town and we went up to Aberdeen and they're all, they're all, you know, big, larger cities. Yep. Um, and uh, I think I think that Wales is sort of more backwoodsy. It's kind of the Sicily of Britain, you know. Um, which was a, a part of its charm, of course. And I think it's more, you know, not only are the, are the accents thick in Wales that a lot of the younger people are actually now speaking Welsh because it was reintroduced into, um, into high schools or whatever mm. the hell high school is called in, in Britain. Um, and so, you know, if you, when you're walking down the street in a town in Wales and there's a cluster of uh, unsavory-looking teens smoking and leaning against a building, they're speaking Welsh, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it's become... Uh, I you know, and they're talking about you. Yeah. Well, they, they one, yeah. one assumes <laughs> when uh, a middle aged talking person, about the various methods of which they're, how they're going to roll you. That's right. Any middle aged person walking past some Welsh speaking teenagers assumes that they're plotting your your uh, demise. So, um, 
but I just, I just found it uh, found it totally delightful, uh, and I'm glad I'm glad to be going back. I'm grateful to my family for allowing it. Uh, what are the best? Uh, what are the greatest Scottish rock bands? I don't know. It beats me, man. That sounds Be- like a band. Big country <laughs> beats me. Man. Beats me, man. It's a DJ. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know who the Scottish rock bands are. There's a band, uh, an uh, there's a Dundee band called the the Hazy Janes that are pretty good. And I heard of them because when I was um, hanging out a couple of years ago, writing in this uh, this bar in Dundee, I got talking to the um, got talking to the bartender who was sort of a a, a gruff, cute uh, woman who uh, was playing Big Star on the uh, stereo. Uh-huh. And so I, I said, hey, you're listening to Big Star. And she was seemed impressed that some random guy would walk into the bar and know Big Star. I'm an American indie rock musician. Of course I know Big Star. Mm-hmm. But we got talking, and um, she told me about this band. And they're quite good. They, I think they toured with uh, Wilco last year. And they're kind of like... Uh, Were they called Beats Me Man? Is that the yeah. name of the band? The Hazy Janes. The Hazy Beats Hazy Me Man. They'll be opening for the the beat for Beats Me Man once we start it in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I recommend that band. They're good. I'll, I'll check them out. If you um, like your uh, if you like your uh, Fountains of Wayne or your or your Posies, you might like them. I I, I like them. No. Um, Big Country is a Scottish rock band. It is true. You're, you're Bell and Sebastian. Our yep. Scottish rock band. Yep. I'm looking at a list and I've never heard. That's it's a long list and that's all I've heard of. Um, Jacob Yates and the Pearly Gate Lock Pickers. <laughs> Take a worm for a walk week. The band. Ha! Oh, nice. Uh, Teenage Fan Club, of course. Oh, okay. I didn't Speaking even of know the big star. Scottish. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't either. I thought they were big star. You. <laughs> They're so good. Have you have you listen? Have you taken a, a spin lately? With the Teenage Fan Club? Yeah, I actually have. Bandwagon-esque? Bandwagon-esque. That is an album that holds up as, as freshly as if it was recorded um, in the basement of the house that you're living in uh, a moment ago. <laughs> uh, yeah. Very fresh. I agree. Um, and and uh, Catholic Education, I think, is even better. They're both mm-hmm. great records. Did they did they put out an album after Bandwagon-esque, or did they just did, did dissolve? I don't know. I think that they did. Um and I think it was probably okay, but I don't think it had uh, quite up to the same. But surely they've had a, a reunion at this point. Yeah, here the well. I don't know. What they got, got a website. They got a. They have a very. Blog they interviewed spot one of them in the uh, the, the, the big website. star documentary. Which yeah. I, have you seen it? The uh, whatever it's called, the new big star documentary. No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's fantastic! Fantastic. It reveals um, a number of things. Nothing Can Hurt Me, I think is the name of it. Yeah. Um, uh, one of it is it makes a case for um, for Chris Bell being, um, for really being more than 50% Chris Bell's band than Alex Chilton's. Really? Uh, and we identify it with Alex Chilton more because he is a bigger character mm-hmm. um, and lived longer. Yeah. Right. Uh, also, that the, the photographer William Eggleston, yeah, uh, played uh, played some piano on uh, Number One record. In addition to having taken the photo that's on the cover, uh, right, and uh, uh, also giving Alex Chilton acid when he was nine or ten years old. <laughs> oh, wonderful! <laughs> well, have you have you seen the Eggleston documentary? 
I've seen a few. Yeah, well, the one the I one saw. The one that's just, which is sort of following him and his son around as they're taking photographs. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great. The thing I loved about that he's was... He's a hero of mine. Yeah, he's a hero of mine, too. I, I love his pictures and um, have been influenced by them, not just in my photography av- avocation, but in in sort of the way I see everything. And uh, Absolutely. Rough Day is... That's, that's one of the... One of the spirits behind my last book of poems. Oh, that's good to know. I don't think I know Very that. Very much. Very much so. Not in any way that I could point to. <laughs> that's fine. That is fine. One of the reasons why I had trouble describing the book, I think it's poorly described in it, you know, like the jacket copy, because I, because all the things that it's about aren't in the book. Hardly any of it. Well, let, Nazareth. Let, let posterity do the pointing. You don't have Nazareth to point was anything. from Scotland. Oh, uh, hair of the dog. Yeah. <laughs> the Vaselines. All right. Scott. Della Mitri. Yeah, sure. It's also Scottish. Sure. Not the drive-by truckers, but drive-by argument. It's from Scotland. <laughs> um, not simple minds, but ex simple minds. Really? Ex simple minds. Primal Scream was Scottish. See, these are these are bands we know. Many of them. These are acts we've heard of. This is this speaks well of Scotland. You know, they're gonna, I think they're having another independence vote. I'm going to miss it, I'm, but I'll but I'll probably be seeing a lot of uh, newspaper headlines about it. A band called One, one Mississippi, except it's uh, W O N Mississippi. <laughs> So maybe it's a Chinese Scottish band. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminds me of the list of notable figures from my hometown, which which I am on. It's the only list on which I am oh, yeah. not- a notable figure. <laughs> Phillipsburg, New Jersey. Yeah, exactly. Who else is notable from Phillipsburg? All right, let's uh, let's bring that up. Um, I like that we're finally getting to the meat of it. Yeah. What of of our of our. T- two-year-long conversation <laughs> yeah finally we've got around to the main point which is what lists is john on <laughs> which not on? which lists am i on <laughs> uh i'm on the list of all persons of course all right so um two let's see well david heyju the uh music critic oh yeah really yeah he's he's from my hometown i didn't know that until someone how'd you say the name heyju h-a-g-d-u i always thought it was haidu that could be correct i, I really don't know but um, so we, my cousin pointed out to me that I was on this list, so I looked at it, and there were a few surprises on there. Um, documentary filmmaker Lou Rita, I think my dad knew him. Um, uh, Sheetal Sheth is an actress. She's Here's a picture of her. She's young. She was in uh, a, an Albert Brooks movie and a couple of TV shows. And uh, Fiona, do you remember the pop singer Fiona? Who can forget Fiona? Fiona is from Phillipsburg. I didn't know any of these people. And there are a few athletes. William F. Birch, former member of Congress. He died in 1946. Rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh yeah, Yvonne Zima, another another young actress who's been in a bunch of uh, movies I haven't seen. And the inventor in- of including, including Zima. Including Goy and Career Virgin. Oh, she was in Iron Man three. That that's a popular that's a popular film. That was a popular movie. Yeah, people like that movie. I watched the uh, Amazing Spider Man movie the other night. The it reboot, on if Netflix. you will. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, that's terrible. <laughs> I thought it was kind of charming. I don't well, have Andrew, high, I don't Andrew have Garfield is charming. What's that? Andrew Garfield is charming. He's the, a, a good actor. He's, he's interesting to watch. The, the guy who plays Spider-Man? Yeah. Yeah, he, I liked him. Um, everything else about it was meaningless. What do you expect from a from a superhero movie? Oh, I expect I expect the the thirty minutes of explanation of how this person killed his parents was going to come back in, and he doesn't even find out that this <laughs> the guy in the limousine was the actual person who killed his his father. Um, after he saves him, yeah, these things didn't. They just they spray a uh, lizard cloud over uh, <laughs> over southern Manhattan. And uh, which is supposed to presumably turning everyone into lizard men monsters, and uh, and that does never come. We never see the horde of lizard men monsters, no. except we see at the very end some some scales, you know, some makeup falling off a policeman's face. Yeah, that's all you get. That's Fill all in you get. that. Oh, that must have. And then, I mean, it's kind of it was, it was kind of like radio. Like it, it required it required me to use my imagination to uh, imagine the interesting parts of the movie. It's uh, almost that effect, the, the the equivalent of that effect. It's roughly equivalent to someone saying on the radio, my God, look at his face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was long, too. Everyone fell asleep. And we, have our, we have the furniture because we're in the process of moving. We're right now at, at our friend Heather's. We're moving tomorrow to a new house. Oh, really? So wait, are you in the pink house right now? We're in the pink house. Yeah. Where... Uh, where uh, some friends of ours have lived since 1996. Mary oh. Park was the first, and then and then others have lived here over time. And uh, Heather will continue to live here, but we're moving uh, eight blocks north to a, a little house um, by Roosevelt High School, uh, one block away from a 10-acre construction zone where they're building a. Uh, the northern terminus of the light rail station, which will not be finished until 2021, I believe. Yeah, wait, the, it's actually – oh, no, I was thinking of the, mono, the monorail, which only goes where? No, Two places. No. Right, right. It goes from one end of the monorail to the other. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there will be lots of cranes and, and trucks and things for Oscar to, to watch. Uh, we're uh, right by a Safeway. Good. It's a very busy corridor, and uh, not neighborhoody at all. But I, I sort of like it from here, from this neighborhood, Roosevelt, Ravenna. Uh, I know my way to every part of the city that I want to get to pretty quickly. Yeah. Whereas if we were in a a more pleasant neighborhood, I I wouldn't. I guess I'd be happy and fulfilled and wouldn't have to go anywhere. As I say it out loud, I, <laughs> I think I understand why the rent is so cheap. <laughs> but the rent's very cheap. Yeah, and that's the, very important. The rent the rent is low, and I won't be happy. And those I'll, are be the very, perks. I'll be very happy. Be very happy, and the <laughs> rent is low. Is this a, a house or an apartment? You're in a house. It's a house. It's a house with a, a yard. Great. It's very nice. I look uh, forward. The to low it. rent is important because I remain unemployed. Yeah. I had a number. One thing that happened since we last spoke, or over the last couple of months, was I went to lots of job interviews of various kinds. Yes. And they all turned. All of these people disappointed me. Even K State. Wow. Yeah, yeah even my alma mater. Since you said it, I'll I'll, I'll say it. Yeah. Uh, so I did what I could. I, I, I reacted the most violent way possible. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I blocked the members of the committee on Twitter. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was the, the most violent action that I could take. And you know what? I felt better. Yeah. I felt better. I they're, they're very nice. They're very nice people. I, I'm sure that they had good reasons for passing me over. Did you do the thing that certain friends of mine who've also been applying for jobs, probably many of the same ones you were, uh, do, which is um, figure out who got the job instead of you and obsess over the ways in which they are or aren't better than you? No, uh, no, that's that's beneath me. Partly because they haven't announced it yet. <laughs> All right. I think I probably wanted to turn it down, but I also wanted to be the top candidate. Right. Right. Isn't that isn't that healthy? No, it it is. You want you want to be wanted, and then you want to say sorry, no. But I was, I was a, a little I was a little disappointed. Not so much because I wanted I didn't I don't know if I wanted that specific job, but that was the end of the hiring for this year. And I'm never going to go on the market again. Never. I'm never. That's that's the last university job I'll ever apply for. Really, Ed? How can how can you say that with such confidence? Because I'm because I'm 42, and I've I've for four of the last six or seven years, I have gone through this process, and I don't care to go through it anymore. Yeah, I I'm sympathetic to that. It's not and it's not worth it for a for a job that pays less than uh, bridge tender one. For the city of Seattle, you know, which requires you to uh, uh, to be comfortable um, on a ladder a hundred feet above water. Wait, wait, wait! What kind of tending are we talking about? Um, it's the the job is bridge tender one. I didn't apply for it, but I looked at all the <laughs> listings at the, um, the 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 city of Seattle, maybe the state of Washington, and I was I was I noticed that that even these uh, uh, dangerous uh, or undangerous jobs. Um, Paid more than these these jobs that I've disrupted my life to uh, not want. Yeah, you know, my having been hired uh, where I teach now was so fluky that I it's hard for me to imagine uh, enduring the process that most people end up going mm-hmm. through in order to secure an academic job. You know, and I've I my other my other friends, many of them younger than us, who are looking for their first or second jobs, are. Um, they're just, you know, it's just that you got to think about it all the time. You have to worry about it. You have to travel to places. You gotta, you gotta decide what to wear. You gotta sit in a stuffy hotel room and on the edge of a bed, like talking about your pedagogy. It's a, it's awful. Never again. Yeah. Never again. So, yeah. um, uh, maybe this will be freeing for you when you go to AWP. You can, you can, uh, you know, you you can just be a writer. You can, you know, you know. And uh, drink with other writers, and not feel that you are striving as an academic, right? And I'm still on, you know, two panels, and you know, it's it's uh, not being a professor has has not uh, hindered me in any way as a writer, right? Um, and in fact, I think because I because I'm a pretty conventional person, and uh, would have settled happily into the mold of my vulgarity. Um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, I think it's been I'm sort of playing against type by being kind of unemployed and, and without, without income. Uh, and I think it's stimulating for me. Uh, and it's kept me from being a kind of poet I, I think that I might have become if I'd been really comfortable. 
Well, this is some, this is something that's on my mind lately because I think being a professor has definitely hindered my writing, and um, I'm trying to. You, you know, my novel got stalled. The, the real reason I didn't write 100 pages of a break is not that I was too busy doing other things. It was because my novel was stalled. Um, a, a long walk with Rian a couple of weeks ago actually solved possibly my problem with the novel. Um, but her suggestion for what I should do, how I should move forward, is very unpleasant, and I don't want to do it, which suggests mm-hmm. to me that it's probably the right way to go. Mm-hmm. Um so, uh, but the fact is, I'm working two jobs right now, and because uh, I'm, I'm teaching a class up Teach at, at Syracuse. Oh, that's right, that's right. Um, and uh, I just don't, I don't, can't, I can't hold it all in my head. It's I got too much going on, so I'm just not going to write the novel until the semester is over. And in the meantime, I've been doing. I don't know if you noticed this, but I have been. <laughs> that's right. Let's talk about that. I've been, I've been lifestyle <laughs> blogging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or, your time has not been wasted. No, I've been I I've sort of, you know, I've always had a blog attached to my website and I only occasionally write something on it. But this past few weeks I have been uh writing reviews sometimes of actual things that you can buy, but mostly sort of concepts and life choices and things like that as a sort a sort of way of writing light 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 funny essays in mm-hmm. the form of reviews of things. And this morning Fule, I put Fuletons. What, you speak in French? Fuletons. Little light that? pieces, little oh, light okay. pieces. Okay, yeah. yes. Um, but I'm also I, I'm also kind of using it as a as a way to not write what I usually write. Um, I was telling uh, um, I was telling Virginia about this plan, and she said, "Would you call this important work?" <laughs> Ouch! And I said, "No, I would not. That is the point. I will not be doing important work. I will be just fucking around." So, right. um, but that's actually been um, it's kind of reminded me that. Uh, I do think that being I, – I like teaching very much, and, and I find talking with and getting to know students very stimulating, as we have discussed before. I think you you feel the same way. but I do. I love it. Yeah. Um, but the sort of um, hierarchical nature of the system and the – as I, the thing I was saying to Rian this week is academia thinks it is my girlfriend, and it is not my girlfriend. You know, it is it is assuming it is assuming I have certain obligations toward it. It's it's sweating you. It's it is academia really, is sweating you. And I I don't I'm not complaining broadly about my job. I have as jobs go, it is amazing. And it's the, just the nature. If you were a professor of of uh, uh, botany, you would have the same yeah feeling. I think. But you know, I've I've long thought of like the conflict between academia and writing as having to do with demands on one's time. But I think it's I think it actually uh, limits the the way I think, and now this now that I'm conscious of it, it's something that I'm going to try to react against. Uh, actually, I, sh- I should bring this up. I got kind of inspired this week by this uh, this book by Elisa Gabbert, who you may know from Twitter. I've mm-hmm. mentioned I can't, her. I, I can't see the, the something weird about the cover. Oh, it's it, sort of an uh, optical illusion cover. Yes, yeah, it's kind nice. of like offset huh? printed. Um, Colors, the self unstable by Lisa Gabbert, which when I ordered it, I assumed since she is a poet that this would be a collection of poems, um, and instead it is what she on uh, when I was talking to her about it on Twitter called uh, deluxe tweets, <laughs> which is sort of aphorisms and sort of philosophical musings and sort of uh, baldly controversial statements about art and uh, 
you know, life and suffering and the nature of various things. And it's very smart and fun. And I thought, that's a thing you can do. You can just, you can just, you know, put a bunch of thoughts in an order yeah. over seven lines and then try to make an art form out of that. Um, art, philosophy, anything. Reviews yeah. of pens. It's all art. Pen reviews. Yeah. Pen reviews. So what happened with the pens is Owen got this uh, – my parents bought Owen this very interesting rollerball pen for Christmas. What was interesting about it? Well, well this is what you wrote. It's right. made of um, – it's made of, uh, I, I think, machined uh, copper. And mm -hmm. uh, it's made by a company – I'll put it in the notes – a company called Karis Customs, who is – they're a metal metalworking shop. And um, – uh, they make a variety of things, but um, lately they've been making Kickstartering a lot of pens. And I, uh, this pen writes really well, and it's cool looking and feels good. So I, um, uh, so I looked them up online. I was a little envious of Owen's pen, and once I looked them up online, I went down this rabbit hole of internet pen blogging. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people buying a, a lot, lot of, of pens. Yeah, a lot um, of opinions. A lot of uh, well, actually, compared to other. Uh, sort of ca categories of nerdy obsession, the pen people are much nicer than everyone else. Really? There's not much hate going on. And they, not a lot of trolling? Not a lot of troll? No. Trolls there, there really isn't. They're very encouraging to each other. And they, there's a, uh, there's a uh, if you're interested in office supplies, there's a, uh, and like to hear guys talk about them, there's a podcast called The Pen Addict that I've been listening to that, um, and in which, you know, these, these people like just send each other presents. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. It's like a $150 pen. Oh, so-and-so sent me this pen. I'm going to talk about it now on the podcast. Um, but anyway, it's it's rekindled my interest. So I bought a couple of pens. I got out my old fountain pens that my grandfather had given me um, and one that I inherited from him. Mm -hmm. And I bought a bunch of ink and uh, big piles of notebooks. And I'm trying to write by hand again. I'm writing uh, – taking notes in classes by hand. And I am – and I've, I've, I've long been a proponent – or and an enemy of the idea that you know the, the the sort of conventional wisdom that if you don't, I think some poet I saw saying this on Twitter that if you if you're not writing it down with your hand then you're not really writing which I think is utter nonsense. It's nonsense, but I write I write by hand. Yeah, I I, I think there's certainly um, there's certainly a you know an aesthetic difference between writing that way and another way. So um, I, I can't even I just can't even imagine composing. Poetry online on on, on the on the in, in work. It's weird you would say that though, because I have a memory of. I think um, I used to, but it's been yeah. a decade at least since I. But it's an extraordinary thing to me because I I, uh, I have to when I'm writing I can't I cannot I have to be focused on just the one thing because I'm so easily distracted, um, and I'm it's more so since I've gotten older, and uh, whether it's because of the internet or just because of aging and the way I'm changing, but um, but I'm easily distracted. And uh, I was at your house, I think in New Orleans, and you had a computer out, your computer at the time, and you were going to uh, re read me a bit of a new poem that you were excited about. And you opened up the computer, and there were maybe 20 Microsoft Word documents open at the same time. They were like, you know, piled on top of each other, like... Like a like dinner napkins or something. It was extraordinary. I can't. I could not imagine having that many poems or stories open at the same time. Oh, no. but you don't do that anymore. No, <clears throat> no, I, I, I don't. I mean, I I I'll write the first few drafts 
longhand and then I'll type it in. Yeah. That's what no, I'm going to try to do. I want to try to write short yeah. things longhand and then edit yeah. them on the computer. Yeah. And then I, then I uh, you know, print out the, the typed version and, and continue, you know, writing on that. Yeah. I used to I play around a lot with, with uh, what, uh, what, you know, the different tools could show me and kind of cut up methods and alphabetizing. But now I, I just, the less time that it's on the, uh, that's in the computer, the, the better. I mean, I've got, I'm working on my third book and I've, I've got a, a document that's called Third Book, and everything sort of goes in and out of that, and I print it out every few days and save it all the time. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, hey, you I, know what? I, if, uh, for me, there's, there's partly because the, the poems I'm working on right now are more direct and um, kind of less, less aesthetic and less fancy. And, and they they feel very natural in the notebook. This is the first time that I've like kept drafts. Like yeah. I keep the notebook that I write things in, even after I've typed everything up and have moved on from it. I and mean, I'm keeping them all, which I, I used to like. I would type something up and I would tear it out and throw it away because I didn't want that original draft around. Yeah, I'm often like stuff. that. Now I I I, I find that the, the 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 first drafts of these have a certain kind of uh, charm or resonance to them that I, I just sort of keeping it all and, and that, that's different for me well i've been thinking about doing that too and there's there's a sort of practical reason for that i, I um I, I made this request on twitter over the holidays uh because i wanted to read a good sort of literary thriller and i just put out a call anybody got a good suggestion for this and i got a whole bunch of people wrote and said you should read this you should read this and i've been reading these books over the past month and they've all been pretty terrific so someone suggested this book the thousand by kevin guilfoyle have you read this um, um, I haven't read it, but he's from over here, I think. Isn't he from Seattle or Portland? I'm not sure where he's from. Yes. He he's, but he's got a couple of novels oh, out and a yeah. short memoir. And um, so he saw this on Twitter, and he wrote to me and said, just give me your address. I'll send you a copy of the book. And I said, well, give me your address, and we'll, we, we'll trade books. So we sent each other packages. And one of the things he sent me, it turns out that he was one of the founders of the uh, notebook company, Field Notes. Oh, I like those. Yeah. Yeah, I like those. And so mm -hmm. part of his sort of care package was a big pile of field notes notebooks. So I suddenly have like a big stack of field notes notebooks. And so I put them in a pile and set them aside and thought, maybe I should – maybe instead of writing things on the on the computer and then revising them in that – because I don't like make a new copy of the file and edit that. I just edit it right in the file. So the early drafts, unless I print them out, just don't get preserved. They're just right. gone, you know. Uh, maybe I should have an archive of notebooks with various drafts of things in them and, and see, look back and see how, you know, my, my thought processes move when I'm revising something. Or maybe I don't want to know how that, that sausage gets made. Or maybe you need, uh, um, just need something for your papers when you sell them to... University of Texas. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Man, I'm jealous of those people whose papers get bought. They just bought Billy Collins' papers. Yeah? For how much? Is that public? Um, I don't know. How much would you pay? For Billy Collins' papers? Yeah. I don't want them. I don't want them. I don't want them. Who the fuck is going to study Billy Collins? <laughs> oh, shit. No, I, 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 mean, I mean that... I think it's fine to read Billy Collins, but I can't imagine 
like uh, uh, going much deeper in into the critical, uh, you know, critical underpinnings. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what you have to learn from a Billy Collins poem that's not right there on top. Yeah. So uh, I, 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 there's some Billy Collins poems I enjoy, but yeah, I'm not going to go study his draft process <laughs> the way that I w- would love to for so many other poets. You know, yeah, and have you know? So. No, I, I, I know where you're coming from. Um, food, what you've been eating? You you switched cities. You first of all, you probably had a lot of uh, a lot of takeout garbage in, during your time of chaos, but. Do you eat differently in Seattle than you did in Missoula, than you did in New Orleans? You can eat fish here. You can go down and get a nice nice piece of fish and poach it or mm-hmm. grill it or do, do as you please. Um, I have eaten a lot of corn dogs over the last month. Mm-hmm. A lot of driving, some JoJo's. Of course. Um, and the, and as, as we pointed out, I think, in our first podcast, uh, the quality of, of, of JoJo's is not straineth. <laughs> It, uh, but it varies from um, from convenience store to convenience store. There doesn't seem to be a basic. There's no agreement on what a JoJo is. Sometimes they're breaded. Sometimes they're essentially a French fry. Sometimes they're just uh, they're almost just two halves of a potato, almost like a, a fried baked potato. Oh, I kind of like that idea. Unless they're really soggy or cold or like they fried them yesterday, which is always the case. Which is exclusively the case, yeah. Um, but so there's, a, there's the platonic JoJo is out there, and I'll, I'll I'll get to it not from not from quests, just from inevitability. Because um, <laughs> you're going to eat them all. <laughs> uh, but we did. We have done a lot of driving. I was driving over from Missoula, which which was a, a, a long process. Have I talked to you since then? No, we haven't spoken. We've e- emailed very. Uh, um, that was a great adventure. So we loaded up, had, had the, the assistance of um, Nick Bosworth and Jack McCrone and John Bennett, maybe some other folks, helped us load up a, our house in, in Missoula. And Jill's folks flew in and we drove. Um, it was very snowy and cold. And we drove over the, the, the passes. Very slowly, I couldn't go more than forty-five miles an hour. We'd rented a truck that was too small, so we had to have a trailer attached to it. Oh, get all the, oh, no. the last stuff, so it was just nightmarish to drive. And I was uh, and Jack uh, uh, from Jackaroni, yeah, and of cheese came with. Yeah, I was kind enough to, to Jack, accompany Jack of the, Jack us. Of the collared shirts and sweaters. Mm-hmm. It was good hair. Yeah, he's got good hair. And uh, we made it as far as I thought we'd make it to Seattle in one day because in good weather you can. But not in bad weather and in a, you know, in a U-Haul carrying a trailer over snowy mountain passes. Right. So we made it to Moses Lake. All right. Which is about halfway. Uh, never stopped in Moses Lake before. Uh, little town in central Washington. Uh, you know, pulled in at 10 o'clock to some, or 9 o'clock to, to some little crummy hotel. Um Parked the car and then uh, walked around downtown Moses Lake, which turns out to be a culinary hotspot. Really? Uh, overlooked by everyone except for probably a few people who are in downtown Moses Lake. Um, they have an official website, and I am now on it. Well, one, one thing that people remark about in, in uh, 
Seattle and Portland cuisine is the lack of really distinctive or even serviceable Mexican food. Yeah. And there's some, there's, you know, there's some, there's always some, um, there's no short of Mexican cooks, you know, but, uh, actual, you know, good variety of Mexican food, you know, from different parts of Mexico. And, uh, Moses Lake had pretty much everything. It had, you know, kind of, you know, Pacific coast, uh, Kind of seafoody Mexican stuff. It had kind of just kind of northern tacos and stuff, and and uh, had a nice couple of nice bakeries and fresh tortilla rias, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and who knew? Tortilla rias, yeah. Uh, 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 who knew? And so we we ate we ate well for for dinner and for for breakfast some pan dulce, and uh, and went to a, a bar, yes. uh, the Sand Bar. It turned out there was a couple of interesting bars in downtown Moses Lake, Washington. One place was it was called the Sandbar, and it was kind of uh, um, uh, tiki aesthetic, uh, f- but very dusty, very dusty tiki's sort of feeling. Yeah. Uh, the bartender uh, had a mustache and a, a beard that seemed <laughs> unlike what you would expect from Moses Lake, Washington, and uh, he. They served the drinks, and then he he spent the rest of the time uh, uh, working through a series of increasingly complicated Rubik's cubes. Really, leaned back against the freezer, and and first started on a, uh, a nine sided one, yeah, and then a, a larger one, maybe sixteen. I don't know what the ma- the math requires them to be, and then finally one with maybe. Approaching thirty facets on what? a side, really tiny, tiny, tiny little little uh, facets. The cubes were not much larger than the basic Rubik's cube. Yeah, but just oh, the. Uh, I think Owens Owens got the five and the six and the seven. Um, there's a, there's there's one company that's doing this impossible thing. They keep making more and more complex Rubik's cubes. One that's really complex, and he would work through them very quickly. He said he's been doing them for twenty five years. Wow. Um, well, here's uh, I'm on the Yelp uh, page for the Sandbar, and this is my favorite review from Honest D of Franklin, Washington. Nightlife, um, getting high outside. Went in and checked it out, <laughs> then then left right after, saying hi to some people. Oh, and it's very narrow inside. It's one, true. One star. It's <laughs> a great review. He was this a stone person who just poked his head in and said hi. Give it one star. <laughs> yeah, fair. That's fair. Yeah. Tough but fair. <laughs> that guy's reviewing for the New Yorker now. He's reviewing books. <laughs> He's reviewing your next book for the New Yorker. <laughs> it's probably true. <laughs> they gave James Wood the boot. So you're you're the old thing. Here's the new fresh voice of criticism. Yeah. Starts out with got high outside. Yeah. Uh, lots Looked of at a book. Yeah. Uh, lots of pages. Bug squashed so inside. Somebody on yeah. star. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. It was good. I like I like the sandbar. Yeah. Uh, and then we went to next door or a couple doors down, a place called Benny's or Danny's. Uh, we walked in, and and the bartender made as if to serve us, and then said, "You know, actually, I think we're going to close." <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> was it was it two in the morning? No, it was it was this is like ten o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I'm just gonna shut down. I don't like the look of you guys. <laughs> oh dear. And then we went uh, to another place um, where they were having a karaoke. Yeah. And they they would not permit me to uh, to put my name on the karaoke list. Really? Who who is they? Who are these people? They didn't know me. Oh, this kind of troglodytic lady in a kind of triangle cubicle <laughs> on a stool that she kept spinning around like a little child, impatient at a holiday gathering. <laughs> and they put her in charge of the put her in charge. Yeah. <laughs> and there was uh, this woman, uh, maybe Ukrainian, maybe Russian, um, who was pretty plastered. And uh, she got up to sing uh, some Marvin Gaye standard, um, and uh, or maybe it was Al Green. I can't remember what it was. Uh, but neither could she, because as the song started going on, it quickly realized that she didn't know the song. Oh. And, but she also didn't want to. She was sort of dancing too, so she kind of didn't want to give up the mic. But she would say some of the words as they came on the screen, but not all of them, and not musically. Right. Uh, <laughs> And then someone came to her rescue, but uh, she didn't seem to like that guy. Uh, but she sort of accepted his help, but was being, um, you know, had, had was going through a lot of complicated emotions up there in front of us. Yeah, yeah. It was a uh, it was like a cabaret act, unrehearsed. Uh, is there uh, is there good food near your new place? Is there any food near your new place? There's a lot of great food near here. Uh, I'm right around the corner from Cafe Racer. Wait, I'm talking about I'm talking about the place you're moving into, not the. Oh house. well, it's basically it's, it's eight blocks away. Oh, okay, okay. It's the same neighborhood. Great. So the same, the same, the same joints. Yeah. Now you've talked about the Cafe Racer on the podcast before. Um, uh, yeah. Isn't that it's a good? It's a good uh, restaurant and, and bar. Uh, is, popular is the, for mass shootings. Yeah, I was going to say that's yeah. where that shooting was. Very, have very have they made a comeback? Have they? You know, they reopened. They closed for a couple of months um, to sort of mentally recover and to remodel. Yeah. Although mostly, a lot of, they they put in a lot of new stuff, but it's mostly the same shape that it was in, different colors, kind of tender, delicate recovery colors. Uh, <laughs> it's a very gentle place. Good. I mean, it's a very consciously gentle. Uh, place and still is uh, uh, a hangout for all sorts of creative types. Uh, cartoonists still go there um, on oh, Tuesday cool. nights to draw, and cool. uh, they've got music, and, and it's a nice little, little, uh, little, little, little place, and, and we we go there a lot, partly because they have uh, uh, Wi-Fi there, and we we didn't have any internet here at the house until last week, so right. Thus the the thus the non-podcast. Right. Uh, Cafe Racer is good. Good for breakfast and lunch. Um, I am a little closer to uh, some new Thai and pho places that have opened mm, up. Pho. Right up there, and it's it's even closer to the Whole Foods, which is a problem for an unemployed person yeah. who has time to wander and no money to buy these <laughs> delicious-looking curried cauliflowers. Um, there's a, a couple of good Indian places. Uh, I'd say that there's four college towns worth of. Uh, food from other lands within three blocks of our new place. That's not bad. Mm. <laughs> um, so you you know, 
about your unemployment, mm-hmm. what what are your feelings about this? You didn't want to get those you didn't want to get those jobs. You didn't want no, and, and I'm not I'm not fully unemployed. I mean, I'm teaching at the Hugo House. Okay, uh, which which is which. Which, which you like uh, to do fixes my teaching Jones, but it doesn't pay very much. Okay, uh, but I like I like being part of the Hugo House, um, and I like my my students there. But it's it, it's doesn't pay enough to really count. Uh, and I'm going to, to be a, a visiting writer at Wichita State University in April. For how long? For four weeks, uh, which would be great. The grad students at Wichita State, uh, and that'll be that'll be fun. Um, but that that is. Preventing me from trying to find long-term work here in Seattle because I, it's hard to in January or February to say, "Would you give me a job?" In you know May, sort of have to wait until after yeah. I get back to to go interview for dishwashing jobs or whatever. I'll like be available. Um, so my I I don't know I'm 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 not as worried as I should be. Because somebody in the house is making money, right? Um, and it is Oscar. Yeah, it's Oscar. He's a he's a he's a doctor. <laughs> medical. He's a medical doctor. So we have that. Um, but the writing's going well, you know, and the writing's going well, and that's, you know, aside from from Oscar being healthy and safe and happy, I don't really care about anything else. Good. And so it's, the, it's hard not to care about anything else. It's hard not yeah. to let the, the sort of petty things uh, intrude upon your, your life and your thoughts and make you miserable and miserable to be around. But So that's an accomplishment. Yeah. Um, and the, the plans are moving ahead for our, um, our this show that yeah. me and friends are going to put on at the Hugo House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to do a pilot of it um, sometime this summer, maybe August. Yeah. Um, and then, as that approaches, maybe see about doing it monthly. My idea of doing it weekly is ridiculous, uh, but maybe a monthly uh, show down there at the Hugo House Theater. Uh, but we we'll do a pilot. We'll see how the pilot goes. If people like it, they'll probably let us keep doing it. Uh, so I'm getting to work on that. I've got a you know some people I'm working with. Good. I'm uh, I'm very excited about this. I, I'm. We have a, a tentative uh, name for it. Yes. The Triggering Town Review. Hey, that's great. Sounds good. Now this is a, this is a Hugo House re- related thing. It'll be at at the, th- the theater at the Hugo House. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And I I like the idea of calling a variety show uh, uh, a review because it sounds like a literary magazine as well as a. Right. Well I think we might spell it R U V U E, but I think that the, the, we'll have a program, and the program will be a, a kind of literary magazine. Oh. I think nice. it'll have it'll have some of the pieces that are um, that will be in in the show. Great. It's all going to be original work of various kinds, um, and and so we can print it out and make that the program. Well, this you is- you should know that I'm eminently commissionable to do various uh, pieces of incidental writing. So I know, yeah. Maybe we'll you can come and review the show <laughs> while it's going on. The review. I just review. got I just got high outside. Uh, <laughs> I've come inside. I see. It's nice to see you all. Uh, I gotta go. One star. Lennon out. <laughs> <laughs> One star. That's fun. We've got a lot, of, lot of a lot of funny people already signed up to help, so it'll be great. Be 
funny. Hopefully, we'll have some gravity as well. Some. I want people to to come, and and uh, and and to laugh a lot, but I want them to leave in tears. I, so I might have everybody like raise a puppy during the course <laughs> of the show, and and the show will last fifteen years, and <laughs> um, the show the show ends individually for each person when they're they're, they're after their their dog has grown up. They've had a long, long relationship with it, and it dies a natural death <laughs> in, their, in their arms. I smell a hit. <laughs> the show's over. Yeah. It's expensive to produce. Yes. Uh, I don't know if we'll get the theater for that long, but... So 15, out, 15 years. I mean, it depends, you know. Big dogs don't live as long. True. Intermission? But they take more space. Yeah. <laughs> Intermission, all the great Dane owners... Can go. <laughs> That's right. The rest of you, sit down. Be quiet. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. So a lot of other adventures. So we, we got here. We made it through Moses Lake. Rolled into Seattle in a, a heavy rainstorm. Uh, and took all of our stuff to, uh, some of the stuff to the house and some of it to a, a storage shed up in Linwood, Washington. Uh, one of these big modern storage complexes. Have you been in these? No. I've only really seen them in like a... Uh, like shows like twenty four, right? I've only used the crappy old ones. This is a, a you know all enclosed. You, you go in, you get on an elevator. the The hallways light up as you walk down them. It really? seems like nobody's been them been there for a while, except you hear somebody you know far away, sort of crying. Kind of like the library basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that uh, was stored our stuff. Uh, very hot. Everything is surveilled. There's cameras everywhere. Wow. There's only two colors, white and orange, uh, and it's endlessly duplicated forms in the storage shed. You know, it's like a it's like a Donald Judd piece that, with an interior, you know, <laughs> with a chambered Dan, with interior. Dan Flavin providing the the lighting. It's lit by lit lit entirely by Dan Flavin. Yeah, and Robert Irwin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but there is a there's an area where you can. Uh, uh, I can't what they they call it, but you can leave stuff for for trade, right? Oh, like you, like you can, you know, put something down there and you can take from it. There's a little kitty there, which had uh, uh, mostly stained couches and broken lamps, uh, but there was a, a stack of the Honolulu Advertiser, uh, the main newspaper from Honolulu. Uh, oh. From Ed's early eighties picked a few of those up. Did he I just not? got one? I yeah. didn't get the whole stack. I did. I don't think that I needed a whole stack no. of of nineteen eighty three Honolulu advertisers. <laughs> no, you didn't. But. but I wanted them. I wanted them. Yeah, badly. Yeah. Um, but it was. It turned out to be kind of unremarkable. Oh, all right. It's that was a good story though. Hey, I have you. It was I'm, going somewhere, there wasn't it? I, there should, I need, I need a punchline. I'm right? going to leave, and, and there was my obituary. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's a rim shot. You want, uh, you want dun dun dun. Yeah, you want a little descending minor key line there yeah. with horns. I need to get up and get something that I want to. Uh, something that I want. I forgot to bring into the room with me that I want to introduce into the podcast. It's related to something you were saying earlier. Can you hold on for 15, 20 seconds and oh, absolutely. do or say I can, something? I can just talk as if you're, you're right there. All right. <laughs> oh, there you go. It's a funny joke, John, that you just told. And, oh, that other joke that you're telling right now, 
It's also equally hilarious and insightful, uh, I think. I don't know. Nice room. I can see the, the shadows of, of people outside. Uh, maybe it's snowing. Uh, the drum kit is set up. Looks good. <laughs> there you are, talking and laughing. All right, I'm back. I'm back. Um, do you know what this is? A ticket? No. Is a what we have here is a binder clip. Yeah, that's holding them? together about twenty five strips of uh, paper with typing on them. Do you recognize this? Uh, looks like something I might have. Like writing prompts or do you, lines. Do you remember the phrase "that winter in Philadelphia"? Oh yeah, this is this is the draft of "that winter in Philadelphia." Yeah, did that poem is that in one of the book? Is that in no. the first book? That's not in anything, is it? I don't nothing. I don't even have a copy of it. Um, this is you because you were talking about how you used to do you used to cut up stuff and move it around, and what you sent me was a you know this is a series of um, series of of. Uh, um, stanzas, I guess, that begin with the phrase "that winter in Philadelphia," that you ma- you mailed me one of the most extraordinary packages I've ever received in the mail. You sent me it contained this, and I have all the other stuff in the same drawer because, like, you know, most most stuff I just I, I'm very purgy. I throw out a lot of stuff, and I was purging my uh, drawers, uh, about, you know, on, on the, the bureau. You're purging your drawers? Yeah, yeah. Pur- <laughs> yeah thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm actually sitting on a toilet right now. That's right. Uh, the, the, uh, um, I was just cleaning out these drawers of old garbage, and uh, but in one of them I found this, all this stuff, which I kept. And among the other things was an amazing postage stamp that I can't remember. I can't remember. Maybe it's from Guyana? And it's a, on the postage stamp is a scientist in a white lab coat, <laughs> and he's he's tending to some uh, apparatus, radio apparatus or something, and wires from the apparatus are connected to an exercise bicycle, which is being ridden by uh, you know a, a person of color wearing sort of jungle garb. <laughs> I don't remember the stamp. It, I had I had friends. Um, just think of something I sent you. Yeah, you sent me this whole. This package also had some sand in it. It's from some sand from New Orleans, I believe. A bunch of other stuff. Could be. Yeah. I had uh, uh, a couple of friends who lived in Guyana for a, for a spell, so that might have been uh, something I took from from one of their letters. Yeah, that must be it. But it's it's an amazing stamp. Um, anyway, do you you want to hear one of these? Is it too embarrassing? Sure. No, it's not. I don't think it's. It's. I, I don't know whether it's embarrassing or not because I have. You ha- Very you little remember. memory of the poem, except yeah. that it, it's twenty or seventeen or eighteen years old. Yeah, and you well, you read that letter I sent you on stage in in Seattle, so I should I should. That's it's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that winter in Philadelphia, two enemies met on a bus and sat across from each other, arms folded, frowning, until they smiled at the same old woman, then frowned again. That winter in Philadelphia. That winter in Philadelphia, overalls were the rage in art schools and among one crowd of assorted friends who had failed to get into art school. Eight overalls at one party that winter in Philadelphia. That winter in Philadelphia, all the chairs scuttled across their floors and tables rested against the walls and the bed springs squeaked and the windows stayed shut that winter in Philadelphia. That winter in Philadelphia, my group of girlfriends had car trouble and only Meg's Honda worked 
We lay across each other's laps to go see movies that came out in dollar theaters that winter in Philadelphia. Only Meg's Honda. Only Meg's Honda. That's a band. A Scottish band. Scottish band. Scottish Welsh. So, <laughs> the drummer's nope. from the Faroe Islands. When we were in... Um, Outer Hebrides. What the hell? Was it in Wales? It must have been in Wales. Yeah, it was in, when we were in Wales, we saw a poster uh, for some music fest coming out. But one of the, and Rian can still, this was 10 years ago now, Rian can still rattle off every band on this poster. <laughs> but the only one I remember is Goldie Lookin' Chain. <laughs> Goldie Lookin' Chain. Goldie Lookin' Chain. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of whales, I saw some whales last weekend. Really? Whoa, what a segue. On one of our, on one of our corn dogged uh, long drives, we decided to go down. Uh, to uh, Tillamook, where Jill's family has a little uh, little cabin facing the sea, right, oceanside, really. Yeah, yeah. And uh, went with Jeremy Holt, former guest of the show. Yep. And and his wife and Megan and their daughter Beatrix, and we went down there for a couple of days. Uh, woke up in the morning, looked out the window. First, there were there was a bunch of sea lions swimming. Nice. And then there was a pod of uh, orcas, killer whales. Yeah, uh, wow. s- swimming and playing out in the water, uh, very distinctive. The long, uh, the, the tall black uh, fin, and then uh, about twenty minutes later, a pod of gray whales of various sizes, little calves and and big ones. And I was able to train the telescope on them. They're maybe five hundred yards away. There's a telescope at the at, at the, the beach. cabin. Yeah, and I was able to 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 follow with a telescope. The gray whales as they surfaced, and I could see their eyes. Wow! Incredible. Yeah. Wow. Very awesome. And then we had uh, we always go to this place called the Schooner down there at the beach. And uh, last time we went with Jeremy uh, and and Meg was five years ago because their daughter had yet to be born, and she's now five. And it was fantastic. Uh, Great seafood. Great oysters. Grilled salad, um, some funky pizza. Grilled salad. Yeah, you, you throw a like a head of romaine on the on the grill and oh sure toss it with some oil, you know. Yeah, um, one of the best meals I've ever had. Wow! And so we went, we went, we've been talking about it. one of the reasons why we went on this trip was to go back to the schooner, and uh, it was a it was a sad imitation of what it had been. Oh, so I give it. I got high outside, went in, said. Said hi to some people. <laughs> One star. <laughs> Scoog out. It was really disappointing. <laughs> when you go to some place that has, has has given like a, a memorable meal, and you go back, some time has passed, and it's kind of crappy. Yeah, it's, it's something really sad because it's not it's not just that you you want to duplicate that original meal or have something even better, right? You're hoping you're yeah. hoping for at least the same, probably better. And you get something much worse, and it it you're disappointed a little bit in in terms of taste and, and hunger, but really it just reminds you of the passage of time and the inevitability of death. Yeah, as does everything, unfortunately. There are some good Although, oysters, though. How much was how much of it was the the memory of the meal was the food, and how much was the company? And I ask this because um, I I've, I've been uh, you know the last time I taught at Syracuse for a semester, um, I had fond memories of eating this tangerine beef. At a Chinese restaurant near campus, and I I think about it all the time. I I I, I think of it as like one of the my favorite dishes that I've ever had. Yeah. Um, 
but I realized it was because, uh, in part, because I just liked the the company. Because I've gone, I went yeah. back to that place and ate the tangerine beef, and it wasn't so hot. And I, I wondered if it was just that, you know, I would be hanging out with the, the, the Syracuse gang, Saunders and Chris Kennedy, and and those guys, and uh, enjoying their company. And it was a sort of a fun, different thing to do. It was and the I'm, taste of that conversation, the yes. taste of the, that company. Yeah. And I'm doing a similar thing now. We're going to this. Uh, Sort of crappy Mediterranean place called King David. For I'm eating lunch with Dana Spiata and Bruce Smith and uh, Sarah Coleman Harwell, poet there, and uh, having a great time. And the food is fine. But I mm-hmm. wonder, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to it next week. And I think it's because of the context. Yeah. But you're saying this food was actually worse. It was worse and it was more expensive. Oh, shit. <laughs> so I felt kind of... So I felt not only disappointed, I also felt kind of taken. Yeah. Yeah. I gave a reading. I did the the Raymond Carver reading series at uh, Syracuse the other day. And uh, so instead of coming home after class, I stayed for the night, and they Mm. they get me a hotel. and, um, And so we all went out to dinner afterward, this place called Phoebe's in... Uh, Syracuse, and I said to the graduate students that morning, "Hey, are some of you guys going to come to dinner?" And they said, "They all basically said we're all coming to dinner." And I said, "Great." Um, so this place is it good? And they said, "No." And I said, "Really?" <laughs> and they said, "Yeah, it's basically uh, you know like uh, uh, overcooked pasta, uh, chicken patties with heavy sauce all over them, some wilted vegetables, and some bread." And I said, "Oh." They really sold it. Yeah, and, and they said, yeah, and it's the same for every every reading. And I said, oh, well, at least it's uh, at least it's cheap. And they said, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not particularly It's, it's, it's $25, $25 a head. <laughs> and they actually they, – they subsidize it. So the, the students only have to pony up 10 bucks. But, uh, but uh, <laughs> they're like, no, actually. Yeah. So I guess I'll be eating that a few more times. As Jim Shepard is coming to read and uh, Rachel Kushner and I oh, like, that's their, great. like their work. Jim Shepard's, Shepard's a, fantastic. He's a fun, fun, weird guy to be around too. Yeah, I had the privilege of watching of uh, uh, screening the room for him, for him oh, and Amy Hempel. Once that, Tom Tom Bissell and I, really? uh, uh, since Tom had turned me onto it, and then uh, uh, they were there, and so we we showed it to them, and they were uh, uh, delighted and terrified by it. I read the book, by the way. It's a good about, book about the it's room. Fun it's, book. it's hilarious. Yeah. I yeah. still haven't seen the room, but I um, wish that the, I wish that the book was entirely fictional. I wish that the room <laughs> did not exist and that this was completely a work of fiction because it could be. It could be entirely made up, and it would be just even more delightful. So, what did they think of it? Um, the same as anybody else. I mean, even though these are two of the the greatest, you know, short, you know. Kind of funny uh, uh, yeah. short fiction writers, and skillful practitioners. In they narrative. were just as, as yeah. they were just as as uh, bewildered and, and frightened uh, <laughs> as, as anybody, as a child would be. By the room. <laughs> oh, yeah. all right. Um, a little, a little, a little embarrassed by it. Uh, sure. Uh, by the the sex scenes, you know, kind of are are more than anybody can really bear. Oh, really? they go on in the for. Room. They just—they don't seem to have—they don't, they don't seem to be filmed by anybody who has had sex before, <laughs> right? Like it doesn't doesn't look like human activity. Oh, 
he's sort of humping her leg weirdly at one point. It's but there's a lot of fluttering. Uh, it looks also kind of like a Stevie Nicks video. You know, there's a lot of <laughs> that kind of light and a lot of fabric. <laughs> Uh, well, you want to wrap great. this thing up? We're 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 well over an hour now. Um, I was on a. Uh, I want to say that I was a guest a couple of nights ago on a you're, you're podcast. A, a guest. I was a goose. Yeah. At a, uh, a podcast that some friends have started here in Seattle. Ooh, tell me what it is. I'll link to it. It's called Late Dinners. Yeah. The Late Late Dinners podcast. I don't know if they. I think they have their own website. Um. Let's see here. With Rich Smith, Darren Davis, and Becca Zweig. It's on Capitol Hill, and they, uh, they make you dinner. They give you a few drinks, and then turn on the microphone. Yeah. Say some ill-advised things, and then they put you in a cab, send you home. <laughs> that's, that's great. Pretty great. Had some stir-fry. Um, um, I, I'm, I, I'm type, I typed Late Dinners Podcast, Seattle, Skoog, and what I got was uh, us at Bumbershoot. Well, very good. Maybe it was maybe it was us. Maybe I misunderstood the entire setup. <laughs> I'll, I'll send it to you. I have. Yeah, I have the link. send it to yeah. me. Send it to me, and I'll link. Uh, it. They've, they've done a few already. James Gendron, funny poet, and uh, Jane Wong, very good poet. Yeah, and a little funny. And uh, so I think they're going to keep doing it. So if they've got uh, they've got a good a good idea, a good good list of people coming up. So. Good. We should do more podcast moonlighting. We got to we got to spread the brand. We should do a podcast about the TV show Moonlighting. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch. Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well, then come to lunch. Because it's time for lunch. Box with engine. That's right. It's time for love.